Hey everyone, welcome back to my A to Z of musicals and today I'm going to be talking about all things beginning with the letter T and as usual there are plenty of shows and creatives and performers beginning with the letter T so let's get straight into it shall we? My first letter T movie musical is The Fabulous Thoroughly Modern Millie. And this was an absolute favourite of mine growing up and still is actually. I love this film and the subsequent stage production, but the film itself is just joyful. Set in the Roaring Twenties, it's this um, crazy romantic comedy and it was produced by Ross Hunter, who actually had wanted to make a film of The Boyfriend, uh, but unfortunately the rights for that were too expensive. $400,000 it would have cost him. So he decided to do his own, and that's where Thoroughly Modern Millie was created. Interestingly, the film of The Boyfriend was made later in 1971, released and directed by Ken Russell. I do remember watching this film many times and absolutely loving it. The scene when Mary Tyler Moore as Miss Dorothy and Julie Andrews as Millie Dillmont tap dance in the elevator, the lift going up in the um, in the boarding house. I just think that is such a great routine. And sadly, that little bit of music is not on the original film soundtrack, and it's probably my f most favourite musical section of the entire film. Um, but it's just joyful watching them dance to get the elevator to work and go up. It's just brilliant. The stars, of course, Julie Andrews, number one box office star at the time, uh, Mary Tyler Moore, Carol Channing, who was actually nominated for an Academy Award for her performance in this film. And I talk about her in my Letter C podcast at great length. Um, I'm a huge Carol Channing fan. James Fox starred in this film as Jimmy and uh, interestingly he was dubbed by Jimmy Bryant and of course Jimmy Bryant gets no screen credit in this film but he had already dubbed in the 1961 film adaptation of West Side Story the part of Tony performed by Richard Beamer and uh, Another example of those great ghost singers, the dubbers, who didn't get any mention whatsoever and no royalties either on the cast recordings. Also in the film of Thrilly Modern Millie was the wonderful Beatrice Lilly. Now, she was uh, associated with the Andre Charlot reviews of her youth and I talk about those a little bit when I'm talking about Gertrude Lawrence in the letter L podcast because Beatrice Lilly and Gertrude Lawrence were quite often paired together and she did work with Noel Coward and Cole Porter as well in her career. Thoroughly Modern Millie was nominated for seven Academy Awards and five Golden Globes, which is staggering. Um, only one Academy Award was actually won, and that was for Elmer Bernstein, who composed all the incidental music. And actually, that was the only Academy Award that Elmer Bernstein won in his career, which is quite something. Um, the theme song, Thoroughly Modern Millie, was nominated for Best Original Song that year. And uh, Carol Channing went on to win one of the Golden Globe nominations for Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture. The music for this film was, uh, well, some of the music, should I say, was written by Jimmy Van Heusen and Sammy Kahn. They composed the new songs, um, and including, of course, 
thoroughly modern Millie. And uh, Jimmy Van Heusen wrote the music and Sammy Khan wrote the lyrics. There was also a song called Jimmy, written by Jay Thompson. And the rest of the songs were actually old, original 1910s and 1920s songs, including classics such as Babyface, Jazz Baby, and Poor Butterfly, and Do It Again. All these songs that were from the period that the film was set in, and they are merged into the, the film extremely well. Now, famously, Thoroughly Modern Millie was made into a stage show and it started out at La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego with Kristin Chenoweth in the lead role of Millie Dillmount. And I do talk about this in quite a bit of detail back in the letter F podcast, if you're interested, because Sutton Foster actually ended up taking on the role. She was the understudy of the understudy, I think. And uh, she went on and had great success, and that was the beginning of her huge career in musical theatre. So check that out if you want to know a bit more. But the show went on to Broadway and ran for 903 performances, and in the cast, along with Sutton Foster, was the fabulous Gavin Creel, and he's such a great performer. I've seen him a couple of times, actually. I saw him as Bert in the original West End production of Mary Poppins, and I also saw him in the West End opening of Book of Mormon as Elder Price, and he's such a talented performer. Um, Mark Cuddish was also in this original production, He's done loads of things on Broadway, including Bye Bye Birdie and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, High Society, Assassins, um, a big name. Cheryl Lee Ralph and Harriet Harris were also in this production. And the musical has some amazing new songs, particularly favourites of mine, Forget About the Boy and Gimme Gimme, I love that song. It's a, an absolutely stunning song. And it really is a great Janine Tesori um, classic. And so I'm going to move on now and talk about the composer of the music from the stage show of Thoroughly Modern Millie, the wonderful Janine Tesori. I have actually talked about Janine Tesori many times already throughout this A to Z because she's been involved in so many great musical scores. At born in America and she is a composer, a conductor, a pianist, an arranger and probably the most prolific and honoured female theatrical composer in musical theatre history. She's so far has five Broadway musicals to her name, five Tony nominations to her name, and uh, she's just incredible. She, after graduation, worked for a while as a New York pianist and an arranger, and then had her 1995 Broadway debut, where she arranged the dance music for a revival of Frank Lesser's How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. And uh, this was the start. She then, in 1997, presented her first musical that she had written. And this was Violet, based on a book called The Ugliest Pilgrim by Doris Betts. It tells the story of a young girl who is badly disfigured on her face. And she is searching for some healing and uh, the libretto was written by Brian Crawley. And it was actually an off-Broadway production that was nominated for seven Drama Desk Awards. And it, it's a really amazing story, actually. I saw a production of this at the Charing Cross Theatre in 2019 with the amazing Kaiser Hammerland uh, as Violet. And in fact, I talk about Kaiser a little bit in my Letter H podcast. Um, 
There was a famous 2014 Broadway production of Violet with Sutton Foster as Violet and Joshua Henry. And there's a, a great cast recording, actually, of that production. Definitely worth listening to. And I feel that this show should have a bigger life because it's got a, a lot to offer. And that was a great start for Janine Tesori. And she went on to arrange music for shows on Broadway, including the Sound of Music revival and a review called Swing. And she was an associate conductor on productions of The Secret Garden and The Who's Tommy. But it was her collaboration with Dick Scanlon, which began in 2000, uh, which led to Janine Tesori having so much huge success. Firstly, of course, with Thoroughly Modern Millie. And she wrote, or they wrote, 11 new songs for this show. And she actually was nominated for a Tony Award. I did see the uh, 2004 production of Thoroughly Modern Millie in the West End. Um, well, it had been on a little while by the time I saw it. And Amanda Holden was playing the part of... Um, Millie. Unfortunately, she wasn't in it the day I went to see it, but Maureen Lippman uh, was Mrs. Mears, and of course she's such an amazing actor. Um, also, um, Janine Tesori collaborated with Tony Kushner. Now, he, in 1993, had won the Pulitzer Prize for drama for his incredible play, Angels in America. And uh, Tesori and Kushner collaborated three times. And uh, in 2004, on the musical Caroline or Change. And actually, when this show came out, Thoroughly Modern Millie was still on Broadway. And so it, it, this was the first time that a woman had two musicals running concurrently on Broadway. How brilliant. Janine Tesori has done lots of music for films, uh, including Shrek the Third, and quite a few Disney films, including The Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning, Mulan 2, Lilo and Stitch 2, The Emperor's New Groove 2, which was Kronk's New Groove. Um, and she also wrote three songs for Tokyo Disney Sea for a stage show there called Out of Shadowland in 2016. Um, it's interesting that she did Shrek the Third because in 2008, of course, Shrek the Musical opened on Broadway. Uh, Janine did the music and lyrics by David Lindsay Abair. And again, she was nominated for a Tony for this show. Uh, it starred... Brian Darcy James as Shrek with Sutton Foster as Princess Fiona and it opened in December of 2008 uh, and of course when it opened in the West End in 2011 I went along to watch. Uh, the original cast in the West End included Nigel Lindsay, Nigel Harmon and Amanda Holden. Uh, by the time I got to see it, it actually wasn't all of the original cast, but it did have some brilliant people in it, including Dean Chisnell as Shrek with Richard Blackwood, Carly Stenson, Claire Hulse, the wonderful Claire Hulse from 42nd Street, Alice Fern, Bradley Jaden, who's now Javert in the West End, uh, Landy Oshinowo, who was the dragon. It's just a brilliant cast. And this was a really fun show. In fact, Neil McDermott, who'd been an actor on a TV show in the UK called EastEnders, um, as Ryan Malloy, he played Lord uh, Farquaad and he was absolutely hysterical. So I saw that in August 2012. And I then saw a touring production a couple of years later as well. Janine Tesori, for me, one of her best pieces and one that I was so lucky to see in London a couple of years ago is Fun Home. This was a musical based on the 2006 graphic novel memoir of Alison Bechtel and 
Janine Tesori worked with lyricist Lisa Cron. The show opened off-Broadway on the 17th of October 2013 and it sold out throughout its performance. It was extended a couple of times and uh, then it moved to Broadway on the 19th of April 2015. Nominated for 12 Tonys and uh, both uh, Janine Tesori and Lisa Cron won Tony for Best Musical and it was also a finalist for uh, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. Absolutely brilliant. Original cast included Beth Malone, Michael Cerveris and Judy Kuhn. Then the show did come to London to the Young Vic in 2018, uh, a small production that I went along to see, again with my uh, wonderful Kaiser Hammerlund, who I think is such a talent as Alison, and Jenna Russell, the amazing Jenna Russell. This was, a, uh, it just blew my mind, this show. I, I was moved to tears and it was so stunningly presented at the Young Vic Theatre. Janine Tesori is so incredibly talented. She was one of the first female composers to be commissioned by the New York Metropolitan Opera and has actually written a number of operas, including Blue and A Blizzard on Marblehead Neck. I can't wait to see what comes next from this great composer, the fabulous Janine Tesori. Now, during the first national lockdown in the UK last year, 2020, I did a poll on Twitter asking people to name their favourite musicals of all time. And ultimately, I compiled a list that had more than 400 musicals. And one of them was Tans de Vampire, which I had never heard of. But I went out and bought the uh, original Austrian cast recording. And actually, I have to say that there are some cracking songs in this. Music by the phenomenal Jim Steinman, who sadly died just a couple of months ago in April this year of 2021. Um, Jim Steinman, I suppose, is most famous for his work over the years with meatloaf and back in the late 1970s of course bat out of hell was one of the highest selling albums probably of all time actually i believe it it sold more than 40 million copies of that album um jim steinman composed and wrote the lyrics for that album and he worked with Meatloaf, whose real name is Marvin Lee Ade or Ade, and uh, they'd actually worked together before that. In 1973, Jim Steinman had written a musical called More Than You Deserve, and Marvin Lee Ade was in the cast of that show, going under the name of Meatloaf, which is the name that he, he then stayed with throughout his career. Um, Steinman had written a few musicals, actually. In 1969, while he was still at college, he wrote uh, The Dream Engine. And several of the motifs and lyrics from that show appear again in his other works, including in Tans de Vampire, when it was translated and made into a Broadway show called Dance of the Vampire. And that opened on Broadway in December 2002. But prior to that, it had had a successful run in Austria with the German uh, language as Tans de Vampire with the wonderful Steve Barton as the original Count von Krolock. And... Uh, the Broadway production, though, was nowhere near as successful and it ran only for 61 previews and 56 performances in spite of the fact that it had in the cast 
Michael Crawford, the original Phantom of the Opera. And there's a lot of information about this show online if you're interested in more detail. But Tans de Vampire was a remake of a 1967 film of the same name by Roman Polanski, the uh, film director. And Polanski directed this original Austrian production and wanted also to be involved in the Broadway production, but be because he wouldn't face the courts in America for earlier sexual uh, improprieties, he wasn't able to return to the US. Um, so the original production did well. The Broadway production was a complete and utter disaster. And only a few days ago, I actually watched this show a bootleg version, I'm afraid to say, on YouTube. and uh, But it's the full show, not a great camera work. And I could see that this show was all over the place. It really was just so unsure of what it was. And I get the, the sense that the original Austrian production was far more um, rooted in that original film Whereas this Broadway production, was it a comedy? Was it an operetta? Was it Wagnerian? Was it Gilbert and Sullivan? Was it trying to be the Rocky Horror Show? Because it really did not succeed in that. Um, it, it's meant to be a comedy. Well, is it meant to be a comedy? That was the problem watching it. I couldn't decide what it thought it was. And... Whilst I can appreciate it, it probably was a spectacular show on stage. It was just a mess. Uh, and that's a shame because, of course, Michael Crawford played Count Von Krolock on stage. Um, along with the very young Mandy Gonzalez as Sarah and Max von Essen. And uh, they were the two leading youth roles. Well, of course, Mandy Gonzalez uh, has gone on to originate the role of Nina Rosario on Broadway in, in The Heights. She made her Broadway debut as a standby for Idina Menzel in Aida. And I didn't even know Idina Menzel had been in Aida. That was a discovery for me. And uh, Mandy, uh, Mandy Gonzalez has also played Elphaba in Wicked on Broadway and was a replacement for Angelica Schuyler in Hamilton. And Max von Essen equally has had a, a really uh, interesting and successful career making his Broadway debut in Jesus Christ Superstar. He's been in Les Mis and Xanadu, um, an American in Paris for which he uh, won the Tony for Best Featured Actor in 2015. And he was also in uh, Death Takes a Holiday, the Maury Yeston show, which I talk about back in the Letter D podcast. The show, though, only had 56 performances on Broadway and was a complete and utter disaster, even though Michael Crawford was the big name. Uh, interestingly, there are allegations that he made crazy demands on the producers of the show, including a retirement package of up to £20 million a year, although Michael Crawford has denied uh, the allegations, so who knows. Um, Jim Steinman has had quite a, a lot of involvement, though, with musicals and musical theatre, uh, apparently, he was uh, approached by Andrew Lloyd Webber to work with him on Phantom of the Opera originally, but he declined that. Um, but he did work with Andrew Lloyd Webber when he provided lyrics for Whistle Down the Wind, which opened in Washington, D.C. in 1996, but didn't do well. It was uh, poorly reviewed and the show was reworked and then opened in July 98 in the West End, and I did go and see that production actually, and I enjoyed it. I thought it, it was a good show. I didn't think it was fantastic, but again, it has some really good songs, and uh, there were two albums released. One was the original West End cast album, and another one was a collection of popular singers 
uh, singing the songs from Whistle Down the Wind, including Bonnie Tyler and Meatloaf and the Everly Brothers, Donny Osmond, Tom Jones, Tina Arena, who sang uh, the title song Whistle Down the Wind, and the pop group Boyzone, who had a big hit with the song No Matter What. My next letter T is a stage and film performer, director and incredible choreographer. Uh, called an ingenious creator of musical theatre, this is the six foot six tall, lanky, dancer extraordinaire, Mr Tommy Tune. Or if you're listening in America, Tommy Toon. <laughs> and uh, this man is just amazing to see perform. Uh, he had dance lessons at the very early age of five when he was growing up in Texas and went to university and then straight away started dancing and touring in musicals. And his Broadway debut came in 1965 when he was in the chorus of a show called Baker Street. Then he did shows such as A Joyful Noise and How Now Dow Jones. And it was the Dean Martin TV show, really, where he was noticed. In 1969, he starred as Ambrose in the fabulous film adaptation of Hello, Dolly. And I talk about this film quite a few times, actually, throughout the podcast. Um, in 1971, he starred in another musical film, this time The Boyfriend. Now, actually, in The Boyfriend, he starred alongside the fabulous Twiggy. And she is another letter T who I wanted to mention. Twiggy was uh, born in England and she was a very famous model. By the age of 17, in the 1960s, she was the face of uh, British beauty, if you like, an iconic look and style. And I, I love Twiggy. I think um, she, even now when you see her, first of all, she's stunning. She's beautiful, but she's a beautiful person inside and out. And of course, Tommy Toon and Twiggy starred in the 1971 Ken Russell film, which was an adaptation of Sandy Wilson's The Boyfriend. Now, if you've ever seen the film of The Boyfriend, it's very different from the stage show. It's kind of like a, a show within a show. And it's a group of performers putting on a production of The Boyfriend in a rundown theatre uh, in Portsmouth in England. I have a real warm spot for this film. Uh, I just think it's a really lovely nod to old Hollywood and uh, a gentle smile, if you like, at the way that these old theatres in, in seaside towns would put on a show when there was pretty much nobody sitting in the audience. Uh, in that cast, we also had um, Glenda Jackson, who didn't get any credit, and a whole bunch of brilliant English performers. And it's definitely worth, worth checking out. If you don't know this film, go and watch it. It is quite long, and in fact, when it was released in the United States, 25 minutes were cut from um, Ken Russell's director's uh, cut. And, uh, but they've been added back. So if you now manage to track down a DVD copy or you find this on the television, it's highly likely to be the full version from 1971. Tommy Toon and Twiggy actually worked together again, but this time on Broadway in 1983. Um, now, Tommy Tune had done quite a bit on Broadway. He had had his first big hit in 1978 with the 
comedy musical, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And this ran for three years on Broadway. It was nominated for seven Tony Awards and it was a big hit for him. It ran for 1,703 performances and he directed and choreographed this show. One of the most beloved English performers, composers of recent times has to be the fabulous Victoria Wood, who very sadly we lost back in 2016. Victoria Wood was a comic genius, really, and a musical uh, super talent. And she actually wrote... Uh, a couple of musicals, one being Acorn Antiques, based on the hysterically funny um, show that was part of her As Seen on TV series. But also, she wrote a brand new musical called That Day We Sang, beginning with the letter T. And Victoria Wood was commissioned, actually, to write this for the Manchester International Festival, and it was first performed in July 2011 at the Manchester Opera House, uh, where it ran for only 10 performances and was directed by Victoria Wood herself. And I had completely forgotten this, but the original cast had Jenna Russell, the wonderful Jenna Russell, who I talk about in the Letter R podcast, and Vincent Franklin in the lead roles. And then in 2013, the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester uh, presented a new version of the show, which I actually saw. And this time it had Anna Francolini and Dean Andrews with Kelly Price also in the cast. Uh, a brilliant, very funny production. And uh, it's the true story of a reunion of Manchester Children's Choir who recorded back in 1929 the famous song Nymphs and Shepherds and that song actually was written by the English composer Henry Purcell um, and I'd forgotten this as well but Michael Ball actually played the part of Henry Purcell in a film um, England, My England, I think it was called. And uh, then Michael Ball performed in the TV adaptation of That Day We Sang in 2014, along with Imelda Staunton and Sophie Thompson, a great cast. I thought it was important to give a special nod to Victoria Wood for That Day We Sang. Now, one of my first ever trips to London, all the way from Manchester on the train, which was a long journey in those days, was back in April of 1987 when I went to see Time the Musical. And uh, nobody remembers this show nowadays, but Time the Musical opened on the 9th of April 1986 with music by Jeff Daniels, book and lyrics by Dave Clark and David Soames. And it had, in the original cast, Cliff Richard playing the lead role. And uh, this was um, quite a spectacle. I remember when I saw it, actually, the cast had changed by the time I saw it and uh, Cliff Richard had gone. I actually got David Cassidy which was amazing because I absolutely loved David Cassidy. But also in that cast were Kevin Cornwall, the fantastic Stephanie Lawrence, who I talk about in my Letter L podcast, Jeff Shankly and Dillis Watling. And this show was very, very heavily reliant on special effects. And I do remember the use of hydraulics and they were kind of like almost science uh, space pods that lifted through hydraulics and moved around the uh, stage. And there was a huge projection. I think they called it a hologram at the time, but I'm not sure that it really was. But a projection of none other than Laurence Olivier 
and his face was above the the stage the entire time through the show and I, I do remember hearing that there were some real challenges with the special effects and uh, quite often Laurence Olivier wasn't in sync uh, his voice and his face weren't in sync um, I do remember it being quite something having this huge big uh, face over the stage um, the set and design were by John Napier of course we've talked about him a number of times particularly for his scenic design for Les Mis and Starlight Express and it really was a huge spectacle and there was a concept album released uh, which later had a, a digital download in 2012 and the concept album had a whole raft of famous singers at the time, including Freddie Mercury, Dionne Warwick, uh, Stevie Wonder, just amazing people. And uh, I believe that you can still get the digital download um, online. So definitely worth checking out. Quite, quite something, this show. And I remember thinking... Uh, I did feel like I'd been taken to a whole other planet by the time I came out of the theatre. There you have it, Time the Musical. One of my absolute favourite Letter T musicals is the incredible Titanic with music and lyrics by Maury Yeston with a book by Peter Stone. And this, of course, is the true story, a disaster story really, of the maiden and final voyage of the White Star Line ocean liner RMS Titanic, which we know sank on the 15th of April 1912. This is such a heartbreaking story. It's such a, a sad ending and a I suppose, an unusual choice of story for a musical at the time. But Maury Eston was fascinated by the fact that in 1985, the wreckage of the original Titanic ship had been discovered. And uh, this kind of intrigued him. And because of that, he started to research and develop his concept for a musical. I think the score for this show is absolutely beautiful. Um, the original cast that opened on Broadway had Brian Darcy James and Michael Cerveris. And of course, because it was such a huge set with three different levels to show the um, class system on the ship, they weren't able to do out-of-town tryouts, which they would normally do for a big Broadway show, because of the cost, it was too expensive. The show opened on the 23rd of April, 1997, on Broadway, and it actually won five Tony Awards, including Best Musical, Best Book for Peter Stone, Best Original Musical Score for Maury Eston, uh, Best Scenic Design, and best orchestrations for Jonathan Tunick. Uh, of course, we know him for the orchestrations he, he's done on many Stephen Sondheim shows. And in fact, Jonathan Tunick is one of the 16 EGOTs, uh, which means he's won Emmys, Grammys, Oscars and Tonys. Uh, the show didn't recoup the money that uh, had been spent on it, but it did run for 804 performances on Broadway with initial mixed reviews, some positive, uh, directed by Richard Jones. And I have seen a number of productions actually of Titanic. I saw the Broadway production, but not whilst it was in Broadway, it then went on a US tour. And in 2000, August 2000, I was in San Francisco and saw the show at the Orpheum Theatre. That in itself was very exciting for me because I'd never been to the theatre in San Francisco before. And this was such a spectacle with the most beautiful score. I love to listen to the original cast recording. It's gorgeous. Um, 
The show has had a, quite a, a life since with productions around the world. And in London, in August of 2013, I went to the Southwark Playhouse to see a beautiful production by Danielle Taranto. And this had Greg Castiglione as Mr. Andrews. And I remember, I think that was the first time I'd seen Greg Castiglione perform. He was incredible. And I've seen him in quite a number of shows since. And in that cast, we also had Nadine Narman, uh, who I have a, such admiration for. And in fact, he has just, in the last couple of weeks, released his latest musical called Rumi. Rumi the Musical, which is an absolute must listen to if you don't know that. Um, I then saw the show again at the Charing Cross Theatre and in a UK tour a couple of times back in 2018. And I certainly will make every effort I can to see this show whenever and wherever I can in the future. It's just fabulous. Titanic. I think it's fair to give John Travolta a shout out in the letter T because he has been involved in a number of hugely successful musicals. Um, born in 1954 in New Jersey, he became the 1970s heartthrob and he dropped out of school as a young high school uh, teenager, really, so that he could perform in summer stock musicals. And by 1972, he made his Broadway debut in Greece, the musical, on stage, uh, which is fascinating because, of course, he then went on in 1978 to play the part of Danny Zuko, the lead male role, in one of the most popular and uh, highest grossing musical films of all time. Uh, this show, this film was massive. I remember in, uh, when it was released in 1978 and I went to the cinema to see it and you had to stand in a line outside the cinema to get tickets, which rarely happened actually, um, certainly uh, where I lived in the UK. And uh, I went back, I think, three times to see this film on screen. And uh, it's funny to think that um, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John and Stockard Channing, the three main stars from that film, were all much older than the high school teenagers they played. John Travolta was the youngest of the three. He was 24. Olivia Newton-John was 29. And Stockard Channing was 33 at the time of filming this show. Uh, and for me, I think she steals the film as Betty Rizzo, the leader of the Pink Ladies, and that wonderful um, performance of There Are Worse Things I Can Do. She was just brilliant in that film, wasn't she? Um, John Travolta, of course, had become famous in the 1970s on television with... Uh, the lead role in Welcome Back, Mr. Cotter, which ran from 1975 to 1979. Uh, he also starred in the famous Brian De Palma film of Carrie with Sissy Spacek, and he played Billy Nolan. Um, in 1979, he played the disco crazy Tony Monero in the hugely successful film of Saturday Night Fever and actually he was nominated for a Best Actor Academy Award for his performance in that film and I have to put my hands up and say I have never seen this film. I've seen little moments of it when it's been on the television over the years but I've never watched the film. Uh, do I mind about that? Probably not. It features music by the Bee Gees along with lots of other disco performance, performers of the time. There was a stage version of Saturday Night Fever as well, which opened originally in the West End at the London Palladium. It opened in May 1998 and it was a jukebox musical with Adam Garcia 
playing John Travolta's role as Tony Monero. And in fact, Adam Garcia won an Olivier Award for Best Actor in a Musical that year. And then the stage show went to Broadway in 1999. Uh, also, Saturday Night Fever had a film sequel in 1983 called Staying Alive, in which uh, John Travolta reprised the role. But it was a complete flop, really, and was panned by critics. Uh, but Saturday Night Fever led, of course, to starring in the film of Grease. And Grease also had a sequel, Grease 2, in 1982, this time with the gorgeous Maxwell Caulfield and the stunning Michelle Pfeiffer. And again, nowhere near as successful as the original. Um, but it still had music and lyrics by Jim Jacobs and Warren Casey, who'd done the music, or most of the music, for Grease and the original 1971 stage show of Grease as well. It was 2007 when we saw John Travolta back in a musical film, and this, of course, was the hugely popular and very, very successful Hairspray, the film adaptation of the 2002 Broadway production where Harvey Feierstein had played the role of Edna Turnblad in the stage production. Now, of course, John Travolta was playing Edna and he was an absolute triumph. I remember watching this film the first time at the cinema and just smiling throughout. I mean, it's a great show. It's got incredible music, of course, by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. It really is just a, a an uplifting, wonderful film and stage show. And I thought John Travolta was incredible in this. And he certainly deserves his place in our letter T in the A to Z of musicals. My next musical is taboo the boy george musical that i personally discovered in uh, 2012 in a revival at the brixton clubhouse this had the most incredible cast including alistair brammer and paul baker who reprised the role of philip salon uh, katie kerr adam bailey neve parry and matthew Rowland as boy George. I remember being completely blown away by this production. It was a really small kind of a cabaret feel to the uh, theatre and I remember Katie Kerr standing right next to me as she sang um, Il Adore and I was absolutely moved to tears by this First of all, stunning vocal from Katie Kerr, but also this amazing production. Taboo started out at a small venue in the West End in January of 2002. The Venue Theatre, which has since been renamed as the Leicester Square Theatre. And this beautiful show. I think it really lends itself to a very small venue, a more intimate place to, to see the show. And this story really pays homage to the evolving 1980s London music and club scene. And uh, Ewan Morton starred in the original cast as Boy George. In fact, he also transferred to Broadway when the show moved over there. Now, originally, the show in the West End was nominated for four Olivier Awards and won one, and that was for Paul Baker in this wonderful role of Philip Salon. Um, he won the best performance in a supporting role in a musical, Olivier. Sadly, he didn't go with the show to... Broadway when Rosie O'Donnell who'd seen the show in the West End and she absolutely had fallen in love with it she financed a Broadway production which opened in November of 2002 um, this time with Raul Esparza as Philip Salon 
The show was nominated for four Tonys in spite of only 100 performances. It just did not work uh, on Broadway and partly because the theatre was too big and lost that intimacy which I was just talking about. Taboo has lyrics by Boy George and music by Boy George along with Kevin Frost, Richie Stevens and John Themis. And the book for The West End was written by Mark Davis Markham, but it was extensively rewritten by Charles Bush for the Broadway production. And uh, it just didn't work. It didn't lend itself culturally. The audience didn't feel it in the same way that they did in The West End, uh, which is such a shame because for me, it really is a fabulous show. And... It captures that time and that feeling uh, of uh, life, particularly for gay culture at that time. Uh, so for me, a show that I look forward to seeing again, Taboo. A performer that I've always loved watching, particularly in any kind of dancing routines, is the American actor and film and TV performer, Russ Tamlin. Now, Russ Tamlin actually started out as a child performer on stage and on radio, and ultimately as a child actor on film and in television. And uh, in fact, I found out, I didn't know this, but he was known, first of all, as Rusty Tamlin, and was credited as that in some of his early um, child actor films. And then in 1950, he was cast as Elizabeth Taylor's brother in the film Father of the Bride, which I also didn't know. But I certainly did know that one of his most famous roles was in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And in fact, this is when his dancing talents were noticed in the 1954 MGM film, where he plays Gideon, one of the seven Pontypete brothers, who were all named after characters from the Old Testament of the Bible. And uh, in fact, Russ Tamlin, even though his dancing is fantastic in this film, never trained to be a dancer. He trained to be a gymnast. And actually, that's what makes him stand out when he does those backward flips uh, in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and some of the dancing that he does in the scene when they're building the barn. Just phenomenal. Um, and he went on to star in a number of musical films, including Deep in My Heart and the 1955 film Hit the Deck, where he starred with the gorgeous Debbie Reynolds and Jane Powell, who he'd already just starred with in uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Um, in 1958, he starred as the tiny hero, Tom Thumb, again in an MGM film. And actually, he's so delightful and vivacious in this film. And it's based on the Brothers Grimm tale of Tom Thumb, the tiny little man, with music by Peggy Lee, Kermit Goh, Janice Tor and Fred Spielman. And there's a song in there um, that I just love. It's the Tom Thumb theme. And if you see this film, uh, it just sticks in your head. It's one of those songs that you find yourself singing over and over and over. Um, after that film, uh, he was then drafted into the army, the US Army in 1958. And... Uh, so it was a little while before we saw him in uh, films again. But famously, probably his best known musical role, certainly, but maybe his best known film role of all time, was in 1961 when he plays Riff, the gang leader of the Jets in the film adaptation of West Side Story. And he's absolutely brilliant in that film. And again, the dancing and acrobatics there are amazing. And here we are again, everyone, at the end of the letter T, and I'm going to reflect and think, who have we missed out? What shows have we not talked about? Beginning with the letter T. 
And surprise, surprise, as always, there are quite a few that I want to give a special mention to. I want to mention the 2019 Broadway musical Tootsie because I happened to see that on Broadway with the fantastic Santino Fontana playing the lead roles of Michael Dorsey and Dorothy Michaels and he was really great in that show and of course we know Santino Fontana as the voice of Hans in Frozen. I want to mention Top Hat, the 1935 RKO film, which I think I have mentioned in the letter A podcast when I talk about Fred Astaire. I went to see a touring production of Top Hat, the stage show, in February of 2015. And I remember it because it was Valentine's Day and I had just proposed to my uh, partner on that day so it stayed with me and actually it was just a really really lovely um, production with Alan Burkett and Charlotte Gooch in the lead roles it's a great show Uh, I haven't talked about Jonathan Larson's Tick Tick Boom but I have mentioned it a number of times already of course there is a brand new film adaptation coming out later this year with Andrew Garfield in the main role. When it opened originally off off Broadway in 1990, Raul Esparza played the main role. Um, and the show did go to Broadway after the success of Rent. We've not talked about Ken Russell's Tommy, the 1975 film, which was the rock opera by Pete Townsend and The Who, with, of course, Elton John and Anne-Margaret and Tina Turner and, famously, Roger Daltrey in the film. And there was the 1995 Broadway production, this time called The Who's Tommy, with Michael Cerverus in that show. Um, We haven't talked about the 1979 musical They're Playing Our Song, with music by Marvin Hamlish and lyrics by Carol Bayer Sager. And I do talk about this a little bit under the letter H for Hamlish because the book written by Neil Simon kind of tells a little bit about the story of Marvin Hamlish and Carol Bayer Sager. And uh, there is a wonderful original Broadway cast recording with Robert Klein and Lucy Arnaz. The show was nominated for four, four Tonys and ran for 1,082 performances. We haven't talked about A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, the 1951 Broadway show with Shirley Booth in a supporting role, but she absolutely stole the show. We didn't talk about the 1949 MGM film Take Me Out to the Ball Game, which starred the wonderful Gene Kelly. But I do talk about this a little bit under the letter K for Kelly. But incidentally, this was Busby Berkeley's final film as director. And the last film and show I want to mention is Tarzan. This was the Disney film, the animated classic that was released in June of 1999. It was the Disney 37th animated film. And it had music and lyrics by Phil Collins, who was already famous for... Uh, being a member of the rock group Genesis and his solo music career. Uh, The voices of Tony Goldwyn as Tarzan and Minnie Driver as a very funny Jane Porter, with, of course, Rosie O'Donnell as Turk and Glenn Close as Carla the Gorilla, and she sings, actually, on the soundtrack. Um, This is based on the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs Tarzan stories which have been filmed and televised uh, so many times. Uh, In actual fact uh, Phil Collins won an Academy Award for Best Original Song from Tarzan, the beautiful song You'll Be In My Heart and then in 2006 the show opened on Broadway And uh, some additional songs were written by Phil Collins. It starred Josh Strickland as the adult Tarzan, along with Merle Dandridge and Shula Hensley in the cast. 
And uh, the show ran for 486 performances on Broadway, but sadly was still in the red financially when the show closed. So there you go. I'll breathe again because that was a lot to get through. Letter T, so many great shows and people involved in musicals and musical theatre. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you have, please leave me some feedback wherever you listen to this podcast and share it with your friends. Um, It's great to know that people are listening to the A to Z of musicals. So until next time, have a Doris day.